Now, back to Bet MGM tonight. Here are Nick Ashew, Trista Crick, and Ryan Horvath on the BetQL Network, presented by Bet MGM. Aaron Gordon there, Nuggets, Heat, Game 1, NBA Finals, tips off tomorrow. I Look, I understand that on a national scale, people that maybe aren't watching the NBA as much may look at this and say there's not as much star power as like LeBron or Steph or any of those names. We have, I, I think this is about as good of a matchup as we could have because the Heat are playing by far their best basketball of the season, and the Nuggets, we finally now can say, uh, they are a championship-caliber team when they're healthy. I'm not going to go that far because I would rather see Boston here, but um, I, but I, I, but I'm getting well, I don't want to see Boston anywhere <laughs> How anymore. How come you want to see Boston? They have Because no... I would have $1,400 more dollars well, in my pocket yeah. at least. It's not about you. It's about everybody. Yeah. Well, I think it would have been a better series. And Why? I have a take that Jimmy Butler is never going to be you... the best player on a championship team, and I'm four so games away from Ryan that. Maybe. Is really just hanging on to his all, own stuff. It's Ryan's yeah. bet, and then it's Ryan's it's all opinion, about We're just living in it. Ryan's world. <laughs> that's what I tell my wife. It's my world. You just live in it. <laughs> all right. And then she says, sleep on the couch. <laughs> and then he sometimes does. Sometimes I get my best sleep on the couch. Because <laughs> he's watching, over in the garage he's on a watching Saturday night. Aaron Rodgers from back in 2010 till 4 in the morning. So, you know. That was a good year. That was a good year, Rodgers. All right, Bill Ryder joins us, CBS Sports NBA insider, also host of Ryder Than You, weekdays 10 to noon Eastern, CBS Sports Radio. Where are you on this matchup? I get it. Like, yeah, we're not, we don't have LeBron, we don't have Steph, we don't have Jason Tatum, but we got two teams that you know what they are, and if they play up to their abilities, we could have a really good series. Uh, you know, I, I hate to be this guy. I, I, I don't want to have to sleep on the couch either. I don't know who will make me because I'm on the road. Uh, look, maybe the Heat will surprise everybody. Maybe, maybe they'll surprise us. I think it leans really heavily in the Nuggets' favor, and I've been wrong on the Miami Heat guys. I think every single postseason game that they've played so far this year, so we, we probably should start doubting them. I'm excited about it, and I think something you said is, is spot on. I don't know if people realize how incredible Nikola Jokic is. I mean, mm -hmm. it just he's won two MVPs, but there was pushback on the idea of a third this year. I don't think a lot of folks watch Nuggets games, the casual fan. So people that aren't familiar with his game and his unique skill set are in for a real treat. You know, the Nuggets have the most efficient offense a team has had through for the first three rounds, I think, in the last six years since the Cavs uh, in 2017. So what do you think Miami does here defensively? Because it's easy to say, you know, you could let Jokic just be a scorer, take away everybody else, Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. But what do you think the game plan should be defensively uh, for Miami it, since Jokic has been so dominant? It's going to be really tough. And Eric Spolstra talked about this today at, at his press conference where, in which he was um, – he, I think, guys, he would have rather been anywhere on the face of the earth than visiting with the media. He had a pretty intense edginess to him. But on this, he perked up because it's going to be a re real challenge for him. And, and I think the shorter answer, short answer is I, I don't think they can double him. He's too good of a passer. We know that Bam is 6'9", and Jokic is almost 7 feet tall. He's 6'11". And, and Nikola is such an incredible passer. I think you're going to throw Bam at him, and you're going to understand that, that Jokic is going to score – 30 or 35 or, or 40 or, or hell who knows 45 points and you're gonna do everything in your power if you're Miami to shut down Jamal Murray to shut down Michael Porter Jr. to make sure uh, like a pretty good supporting cast around those guys don't contribute and it's Jokic is the only guy who beats you I could be wrong because Spolstra is keeping his cards pretty close to the vest but Jokic's passing ability is so remarkable and he's so unique and the offense really runs through him his vision plus his size I think if you double him more than a little bit he's gonna burn you every time if you had to make the case for anybody else other than Jokic to win MVP, who would you go with, Jamal Murray or Porter Jr., do you think, in this series? It's a great question because my brother and I, we, 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 we pool resources for our biggest gambling bets, and we were discussing this today, and he had, we had this exact conversation, and my answer to him with my money and our money was 
let's not bet on anybody who's a Denver Nugget that's not Jokic. I think it has to be Jokic. But if it's not, it is Jamal Murray. And the number's pretty good in, in the argument. And this is something Spolster brought up today, too. Jamal Murray has literally scored in his career 50 points in a playoff game. He is capable. Doesn't mean he can do it in the heat of severe challenge, especially for what they can do defensively. But there's a world where Jamal Murray goes off and has some sort of incredible 55-point game. The series is small, right? Maybe it's a four-game sweep, and so those numbers, that game sort of pumps the numbers a little bit, and he averages some remarkable, remarkable points per game, has a bunch of assists, plays really well, and he sneaks it out. But I, if I'm betting my money, and I'm betting that Denver's going to win the series, I'm, I'm probably betting on Jokic every time. Bill, why does everybody think that Miami is going to be stupid enough to play zone on Denver? I think because we saw it so much against Boston, and it became something that worked for for Miami so incredibly well. But you're right; they're they're not going to go. They're not going to go zone. I mean, look, I don't know because Eric Spolster is such a unique thinker. Maybe there's a version of that he constructs that we're not thinking of. But I think the reality is that Denver has too much offense, too many shooters. You guys brought up MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. I mean, the guy is at least maybe not on volume, but he is one of the most talented three point shooters in the NBA you're you're not going to be able to go zone and the thing that the Heat are going to be challenged by is they don't have the height the width the athleticism to, to combat some of these guys so there aren't any good options but I, I'm with you I, I they're not going to roll zone I don't think they're going to double Jokic very much I think they're just going to understand that they're going to have to go face to face and overcome the odds one-on-one the way they've overcome the odds they'll tell you at every step of this postseason every facet that they faced you know, Michael Porter Jr., just, just watching him play. When this guy is healthy, we've been begging for that for years, and we finally got this opportunity. Uh, I know it's a long shot. I did bet him 20-1 to 1 to be the highest point scorer uh, throughout the entire series. There's a reason why it's 20-1, to 1, but I just think that if I put a little sprinkle on that, just given sort of the matchup and the opportunity they have there. But you know, what, what does he bring that's so unique to this team? That makes it so when Denver goes into this and says, we've got, we've already got two stars that everybody's talking about, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, but there's going to be a lot of attention on them. He can change things completely and make it a nightmare for Miami. I like that MPJ better. I mean, and he talked about this, Porter Jr. today, his entire career, this was a kid who was a superstar, right? High school, his year at Missouri and college when he wasn't injured. I mean, this was a guy who was going to be a top three pick who always had the ball in his hands, who was known for his offensive explosiveness. And we know he had the injury in college, so he fell really far in the draft to Denver. It was a project. He took him a while to get into rotation for Michael Malone. He had to play more defense and rebound more. So they've really turned him in. And he, he discussed this. He's a role player. That That's his job on this team. He might be the most offensively explosive, high upside, call him a role player, call him a number three. He's sort of a hybrid player in the NBA. So if they do double Jokic, or Jokic just decides that he's going to be a facilitator, if they do throw their best defensive players and secondary presence on Jamal Murray, which they might, you have a guy in Michael Porter Jr. who's not just a great three-point shooter and might have a lot of open looks. He just He's the kind of guy that, at least theoretically in an alternate universe, is the best player on a bad team. And that ability to score, he can score off the ball. He can act, he's can he got a better handle than people think. He's remarkably athletic. We know that he can shoot. He's big. He's long. This is a guy who was supposed to be destined to be a 25-point-per-game player for a team, leading a team. And the role that he found with this particular team means he does other things, but he is more than capable. He has the talent in him to score 35 points a game if the situation presents itself. Bill, take me into how Daryl Morey makes the decision to hire Nick Nurse. Uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers and how that impacts James Harden's future with the team, uh, maybe Fred Van Fleet coming to this team, which has been rumored today, 
and Joel Embiid maybe being run into the ground with those shorter rotations that Nick Nurse likes to run. Yeah, I think it's a great, I actually think it's a great hire. Like, here's what's going on, and we we all know this, right? General managers and, and coaches do not operate in the best interest of their organizations. They operate in the best interest of themselves, their careers, their money, their contracts, their reputations. By the way, I like Daryl. I think he's really good at his job. But pressure's on now. Doc had to go. I think we, we've talked about my lack of a love affair with, with Doc Rivers. But now Daryl's going to be blamed. And that means you have to win now. You have to have an NBA psychopath who will run guys into the ground if that's what it takes. You can't think. Again, if you're just Daryl Morey, not the Sixers, you're not going to think long-term. And so I think that is why Nick Nurse got this job. I also think he's tactically a remarkable, remarkable coach. I have to imagine, I don't know this, but it's been suggested by people around the NBA. This is a speculation, just like in Milwaukee, that that Embiid signed off on this and was interested in this because that's the level of power these guys have. And you know, and I think it's worth pointing out, everyone in the NBA, biggest, it's not even a secret, James Harden's not staying in Philly. That is the expectation of every person you talk to. That's certainly the expectation if you talk to people on the sly, uh, on the DL in Philly. Harden is going somewhere else. And so that means Nick Nurse can also add a benefit in trying to bring in, you mentioned Van Vliet, a guy who has a relationship with him who can fit that spot. Uh, How do you think Nick Nurse's, not his X's and O's, but his um, just ability to use the media and to criticize players, how do you think that level of accountability will fire up Embiid? Do you think we're going to get maybe even bigger production out of Embiid with a a first coach to really hold him uh, to the fire? It's a really, it's a really good question. And I was thinking about this when he was in the mix and he got the job. And I, I don't know the answer. It's part of the reason I thought Giannis was a better, not only a better job and better fit, but Giannis is the kind of guy who will take that and can accept that if he respects the coach. I think the answer comes down to a couple things. Is Embiid willing to hear that? Because he's going to know that that's part of Nick's reality. And Nurse is a guy, maybe there's an adjustment that he makes to a certain degree because with all due respect to the guys in Toronto, outside of Kawhi Leonard for a very brief time, Nick Nurse has never coached a player at the star level, at the talent level, at the promise level of Joel Embiid. And so it'll be interesting whether maybe the rules shift a, a little bit because Embiid is a guy who is pretty sensitive, right? Sometimes, not Kevin Durant level, but he does feel all the feels, but we've, all, we've also crossed into a place where he's one of the most talented players in the NBA who is now labeled fairly or not a guy that can't get it done in the postseason. So I think in this honeymoon period, everyone's pretending it's going to be fine. I think it'll work, but it remains to be seen because Embiid's a guy, you're right, that that doesn't like to be pushed and doesn't like to be criticized. And Doc Rivers, if I may be honest about Doc, I thought was better at politics than he was at coaching. The politics of Joel Embiid is different than having to coach and motivate Joel Embiid. Talking to Bill Ryder, BetMGM tonight, uh, when we look at sort of teams that had letdowns this year in the playoffs, especially the East, the Bucks, the Celtics, how much change, if any, will we see from those organizations? Because I, we look at the odds. I mean, Boston's still plus 550 next year to win the title. You, do, they, do both these teams run it back? I think – well, I think Milwaukee does. Let's start there. I think there's more of an excuse for what happened with the Bucks, and they've obviously made a major change in their, their coaching change because Chris Middleton missed such a huge chunk of the year, and even when he was back, he didn't play a lot of minutes. And I know they've got continuity going back to when – they won an NBA championship. But when you don't have your guys on the floor and you're not playing together, it can impact you. It just it can. And everything I've heard is that Budenholzer just he lost the locker room. They weren't motivated to play for him for whatever reason. So I think with Milwaukee, new voice, a guy that Giannis obviously signed off on, who's a promising young assistant coach who's coming in. I like Milwaukee's upside. 
With Boston, I, I don't know what to tell you because on, on the one hand, they're the most talented team in the Eastern Conference. That does not change. I have every expectation they're going to pay Jalen Brown all the money and they're going to pay Jason Tatum in a year all the money. And obviously Brown qualifies for the Supermax because of what he accomplished this year in terms of all NBA. And they were poorly coached by Joe Missoula. I think it was an unfair position for him to be. And I think Ime Adoka bears the responsibility for, for, for Missoula being in that position. But Missoula was over his head. He was. And I think... He would be the first to tell you that if you got him privately. And we saw some of those examples. He lost the locker room. Those guys complained about him at the podium. He didn't know how to call timeouts. One of two things, I guess one of three things happened. Two of them make this a good bet. One, they move on from him. I don't think they will, but they, they get a coach who knows what he's doing. Two, I think most likely outcome, Missoula learns from what was a brutal season. They still came close to a finals. Brad Stevens gets in the lab and, they, and he grows as a coach. Or three, Missoula comes back and he doesn't learn. But I, I do think Boston's going to roll it back. I do think there's a chance Missoula, who's widely respected, just shouldn't have had this job for two or three years, is a much better coach next year than this year. Malcolm Brogdon wasn't healthy. That's a really underrated piece of what they can do. So I actually think Boston's in a really strong position next year, as long as they have a coach who's capable of, of having some respect in the locker room and understanding the magnitude of the expectations of Boston when the next postseason rolls around. Uh, Bill, we got about 90 seconds. No chance LeBron's actually retiring, right? I got two quick ones. And then where do you think, if you were a betting man, where would you have uh, Kyrie Landon next year? Let me tell you something. I once saw Rihanna at a game in L.A., and I did a, like, what's up? Yeah. And, and the odds that she was going to be interested in having a longer conversation than hello yeah. is the same odds as LeBron retiring. He's not retiring. It's not happening. It's not reality. Uh, look, I, Kyrie wants to be a Laker. He wants to play with LeBron. I'm just talking to folks. LeBron wants Kyrie to be there. So the question becomes, does Rob Polinka, after the moves he made at the trade deadline, have the, the political capital to do what the Lakers want, which is tell LeBron no? That's a big question, and I don't know how that'll, how that'll finalize itself, but Kyrie wants to be a Laker, and LeBron wants him there. How, what, we got to actually still got about a minute here or so. The chances LeBron actually does play with his son. I feel like my, my theory has always been he waits, goes back to Cleveland, Cleveland somehow gets him. It's a big conspiracy theory, but I think it would be such a great way to end his career. Yeah, look, I, it would be great for LeBron. I, here's what I think is going to happen. I think it depends on the level LeBron plays at because if he's still playing at a level that's either serviceable for a team that wants to compete or just good enough that it sells tickets, somebody's going to reach for Bronny. And I think LeBron will go play for that team. And so if you're Orlando or you're Portland and Dame's not there anymore, or you're, well, Webinyama's a spur now, so that doesn't work. But whatever, you're some small market that can't fill seats. LeBron for a year might be a reason you reach for his kid when, when you should. I would... Love to see it, guys. I would I'll love to see him in Portland. Yeah. Yeah, well, Ooh, I know I'll you would, but you'd want Dame still there too. Chicago would be I mean, Chicago would be a, a nice landing <laughs> landing spot. You know what? Oh Knicks will take him too. How about that? All of our teams. We all want LeBron. Doesn't matter how old he is. Bill Ryder, CBS Sports Radio, CBS Sports NBA Insider. Always good to talk to you, man. Thanks, Thanks for coming Bill. on. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, guys.